Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And this week we had a question again from one of our confirmation students about... Hold on. Before you get there, I owe everybody something. Oh. So last week we concluded by talking about cow farts <laughs> and climate change. And I did my homework and I discovered that 18% of greenhouse gas emissions come from the livestock industry. So not just cow farts, although that's a significant portion of it, but the livestock industry is responsible for 18% of the greenhouse gases. There we go. I've now fulfilled my obligation. I've fulfilled my promise. Which was I, much higher than you anticipated. So see, I, I was not totally cracked. <laughs> no, I was a little disappointed in that high number. Um, so yeah. Take it for what it's worth. Okay, carry on. This week. Okay, so this week. Moving on from cow farts. Moving on from cow farts. Um, confirmation student question was, um, what is God's plan for my life? I say we make a policy that confirmation students are no longer allowed to ask questions. <laughs> that's a really good policy to have. And, you know, that's really encouraging our students to uh, <laughs> ask questions and explore their faith. I think that's awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> and, and often it's the confirmation students who come up with the hardest questions. Um, but I think that's absolutely a good thing because it... Um, they're asking those questions, they're forming their faith, and it is our responsibility as leaders in the church, as adults in the church, um, to not only encourage those questions, We're but... adults? Well, sometimes. Okay. Um, but to give them, numerically we are adults, um, to give them the opportunity to ask those questions and then have, them, have us struggle along with them in those questions. Yeah. So I think that's where we're headed this week. Yeah. So God's plan... Here's one of the, I guess, issues for me when we, we start asking that question. It is scripture's all over the place when it comes to, because very clearly, God's plan frequently gets thwarted in some way at almost every turn, especially if you're reading the Old Testament. Um, initially, he clearly did not intend for humans to become so wicked and, and awful because then he got really sad and grieved that he, and was sorry that he made humanity. And hey, now I'm going to go and destroy humanity because I'm sorry I made them. Let's so, flood the earth. Yeah, flood the earth. And then he has some uh, backtracking on, uh, now granted, he never wanted Israel to have a king. But since they were going to do it anyway, he said, okay, fine, I'm going to give you one. Here's going to be all the problems that you have with a king. And what you've done is very, very evil. But here's your king. His name is Saul. And then Saul turns out to be this really superstitious, frozen by the superstition kind of stuff. And, and eventually winds up doing some things that has his anointing revoked. It's kind of one of the, those things where it's like, okay, really, is that, that what God planned? And if you really read the scripture and the Bible and, and these stories of even Abraham and how often Abraham was going around screwing things up and God had to keep getting in the mix, you know, he's like, oh, hey, there's a famine. I'm going to go down to Egypt. And I'm going to give my wife away. And there goes the promise. And God has to send boils and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, and it, it goes back to one of my, one of my I shouldn't say my favorite refrains, but a popular refrain in the Old Testament. I am your God and you are my people. 
And I, I feel like God had to get tired of that refrain over and over. You know, God's, you know, I, you are my people and I am your God, and then they mess up. Uh, I am your God and you are my people, and then they mess up. And I am your, it's just repeated over and over and over. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that parent thing, you know, where we constantly say to our kids the same thing over and over and over and go, God, are they ever going to get it? And that had, I mean, God had to be so exasperated um, at, at the Israelites and at their plight as they, as throughout Scripture, I am your God and you, and then they mess up again. Mm-hmm. You know, he literally gives them the Ten Commandments and like before you can bat an eye, they're already busting them up and making some calves. I, I, it's just, it, it's crazy to me um, you know, how often that plays out in Scripture. So you know, God's plan and our, our role in it um, yeah, we're not always on the same page. Well, and even Jesus, when the the, the Tower of Shalom, Shil, something like that, I can't remember if that's the exact name of it, but anyway, when the, in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, when the tower falls and kills a bunch of people, of course, the question is, well, what did they do? You know, how did, you know, did they deserve this, blah, 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 and Jesus is kind of like, well, you know, they, didn't, they weren't any better or worse than anybody else, uh, it just happened, and... Where where this really kind of struck home for me was, as I mentioned actually in two podcasts ago, uh, I had a friend who was killed in 9-11. Yeah. The night before his funeral, uh, we were with his family and his parents, and his mother, very very devout Catholic family, uh, he was the oldest of 13, and she, you know, being very devout, said you know, I know that, that God has a plan. I know that there's, he, he's going to, you know, there, there's something that, that he's going to do with this, that, that there's this plan that he has in place that is why this had to happen. And I remember coming in, this before I went to seminary, this was in, in 2001, and I remember walking away from that evening going, well, that's a crappy plan. My thought exactly. My thought is, well, God has, really? That's God's plan? Like, I certainly hope that God has a better plan than that. Yeah. So, but, but at the same time, this is how we make sense a lot of times of tragedy is like, well, there's, there's, there's a bigger picture. And somehow this fits into that bigger picture, even though it stinks now. Somewhere down the road that, that this is going to lead to something, the Joseph story. Yeah. What, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And so the whole idea of Joseph being thrown in the well, sold into slavery so that he could wind up in Egypt and save his people was all part of the big grand plan. Or is it God in the end navigating through all of our garbage? Let's say garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say garbage. That's, yeah, a, that's a nice that's a word, word for this podcast. Um, I tend to think the latter. Um, as opposed to the God is the cause of our suffering. To te- I struggle with the whole testing. God is testing my faith. God is, I, I don't believe that to be, um, I, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that to be God's um, character to make us struggle, to, make a, to test our faith and, and see if we're worthy of coming out the other end stronger people. Yeah, well, and again, you've got, I mean, scripture goes both, way on, both ways on that. 
Yeah. And and that um, on the one hand, you you have him specifically saying he tested Abraham. Yep. Um, the, the flip side of that is when uh, it's in First Corinthians, it says God will not test you beyond what you can bear, which frequently gets misconstrued as God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah. That's not the same thing. Uh, actually, the Bible never says God will never give you more than handle. Look at Elijah. Did um, you hear that, people? God never said that. Yeah, no. In fact, if you look at it, prophets like Elijah, clearly God gave people more than they could handle because Elijah gave up and yeah. wanted to die. And he was pretty much worthless from that point forward. Hence why Elisha has to come onto the scene. So Jonah decides to jump overboard. Yeah. Then you have the whole Job, Book of Job thing. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So the... Where, where I always wind up kind of coming down, and I had to do a, a funeral many years ago uh, for a, a young boy, 17 years old, mm. died of cancer. And, of course, you had a lot of the people saying, well, you know, this is just part of God's plan or whatever. I got up and very boldly in an auditorium full of a whole bunch of young people who had, had come as I said, here's the thing. You want to know what God's plan is? God's plan is to redeem and reconcile us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate plan. I'll buy that. The other stuff, I think there's a combination. I think there is, yes, God is going to have God's will happen one way or another. And he likes it if we play along. <laughs> and many times we do not play along and he has to intervene and, and change, you know, direction or work within what we have mucked up. Yep. Uh, and that, that seems to be how scripture operates where it's, no, God is going to get us to, to this point. But the stuff that happens in between is a mixture. Yeah, of of us doing things our way, God sitting back and going, yeah, let's see how well that works for you. And then eventually he has to kind of get involved and say, okay. And of course, this becomes a bigger issue when you talk about things like cancer, yeah. things we have no control over that just yeah. happen. And, and how do we navigate that and say, well, did God give that person cancer because of X, Y, or Z? As a, you mean as a punishment? Is uh, it, is, not necessarily even as a punishment, but just as a, oh, I gave this person cancer so that now you will become an advocate for cancer and look at all the good uh, you're going to yeah, do. Ah, yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, so I think, I think it's, it, it's a, the, those stories are amazing and show the human, human capacity to overcome. Um, and I think there, there's definitely um, some God and Holy Spirit moments in that. Um, as, you, as you were talking a few minutes ago, I was, I was reflecting on what you were saying with, along with my own faith journey and call story. And I'm going, man, so God wanted me to be a pastor. Whew, I didn't see that one coming. Um, <laughs> and, I, and as you shake your me head, <laughs> and as many, as, as many of our, our colleagues will, will attest, many of them had the same, a similar especially story. Especially second career ones like us. Yes, yes, yes especially your second career. Man, I did not see that coming. I did not see um, a life in ministry in my future at any point. Still don't see it, and it's 10 um, years later. <laughs> um, and it's like, oh, wow. So all of those things 
um, actually equip you. And I, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. It's amazing how many things in my life pre-seminary equipped me for the ministry that I did not expect. And, and, and in, in fact, many of those things were things that I thought made me unfit or unqualified to go into ministry. Well, you know, I, I, I partied a good bit in college and I did this and I didn't go to school. I, I mean, I didn't go to church for this many years and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the Bible. In, in, you know, mem- I, I can't quote you. What does, what does 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 2 talk about? I don't know. I can look it up and I can read it. But, you know, that terms of, you know, quoting, don't even tell me. Because Rebecca's going, oh, well, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3, that is about, <laughs> boom, that ain't me, people. That is, that is not me. I can open a Bible. I can tell you what it is. Um, I can read it for you. But it has that, to do with Solomon. I'll tell you that See, much. exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, that is not, you know, that, that, you know, scripture off the top of your head is not one of my gifts. Um, and those things become hang-ups, but then it's amazing how many times that those things that we see as hang-ups end up opening doors and, you know, part of our past, and we go, oh, man, there's no way that is ever, ever going to be helpful. And then someone walks into your church or walks into your office, and you go, oh, now I remember that part, that portion of my life that helps you identify with this person, and it absolutely was not what I thought God's plan was. But I think the better, the better part of it, I think, is the reverse. Not that God's plan, I think God uses events in our life to fulfill the plan as opposed to um, the, the wind-up doll where God, you know, turns the key in our side and then, you know, we go marching off. Well, on our on our path. Yeah, and when you say you know God has a plan for your life, and then I look at the uh, the homeless person who is an alcoholic and a drug addict, and eventually their life ends in tragedy. And for me to sit there and go, well, that was just God's plan for their life. Yeah. No, no. I, I, that's that is never what God wants for our lives. Right. And so to, to try and wrap everything up neatly in a little bow and say, oh, well, that, that's just how God planned that person's life to go. Um, I've got some serious issues then with, <laughs> with God's plan yeah. <laughs> of, of, of how he's doing that. I think, like I said, I, I, just, I still strongly believe that there is that interplay of, yes, does God want something in particular for your life? Probably, yes, he has some vision of, of what he wants your life to be. But he also allows us to work within that, and we make our own choices, we make some decisions, and a lot of times we make very, very bad decisions that take us down very bad paths that we never wind up bouncing back from. And can God work within our messiness, our screwing up, our, our doing things the way they're not supposed to be done? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much how I see what God is always doing is it's like, oh, look, you went and did that. Okay, how can I turn that into something positive or good? Or <laughs> God is the ultimate tattoo cover-up artist. <laughs> <laughs> the, those those mistakes that we make at some point in our lives that we go oh man what was I thinking 
And then God says, oh, look, I can make that into a beautiful butterfly or something. Right. You know, whatever, that, that hideous, um, you know, your, your, the girlfriend that you have that you're going to marry and be together with forever, whose name you get tattooed in a heart on your, on your arm. And then three weeks later, like that relationship blows up and God later, God is that cover, <laughs> the cover up of that tattoo. Is, oh, okay, so that life experience wasn't so good, maybe... Maybe we, we can use that somehow. Well, and really, though, how you, how you view this really is going to determine how you understand a lot of Scripture. Because, as you pointed out, I can bring up the book of Revelation in every single podcast. Oh, again. <laughs> Come on, people, say it with me. Oh, again. I can do it. I can do I it. I know you can. You have so far. <laughs> Because if your idea is that God has a set plan and that plan is going to go according to um, step A, step B, step C, step D, then you're going to read books like Revelation very much as a roadmap or a predictive, I beg this to is differ. how things are going to go. You're just not going to read the book of Revelation. Who? Like, like I, I think for most people, it's like... I, they know enough about Revelation to know that it's kind of weird and kind of scary. I'm, just, I'm not going to read it. Okay, that's Lutherans. Okay, well, I'm Lutheran, I guess. Yeah. I'm really Lutheran. That's I'm really Lutherans. Lutheran, people. That is Lutherans. That is not that a is, huge segment that of is, other... That is very, 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 yeah. very you, true. You've got a lot of people that are sitting there reading it, and they are trying to assign uh, yes. parts to it. Now, granted, a lot of people may not read Revelation for themselves. They're reading all the books about revelation that someone has come up with that's come up with here's the plan here it all is in scripture therefore blah 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 and that becomes in my view a very dangerous way gets us back to kind of what we were talking about last week where you take a hands-off approach then to problems in your world because you just go oh but this is what god planned and so i'm not going to do anything to make it this situation better because it's what God wants. Yeah. Shout, shout out to the congregation I served in Gainesville and the worship committee for that team. We were doing the narrative lectionary, and one of the years, the, the one of the prescribed sermon series for that summer was on the book of Revelation. And I advocated for not for skipping out for bailing on the book i know sit down pastor rebecca don't have a heart attack i wanted to I bail on the book of revelation as a sermon series and one of the ladies you hate when people turn your words back against you and one of the one of the ladies in that committee as we're talking about that summer sermons that what we were doing for that summer said to me wait a minute pastor chad you said to us a few a few months ago that one of the things you really have come to appreciate about the narrative lectionary is the ways it's challenged you and the things that you were dreading the most have been the most life-giving. And I went, oh crap, I know what the next sentence is. And she said, so maybe we should do the book of Revelation as a sermon series. And I knew I was done for in that moment. How I'm sure that was God's plan. It must have been, <laughs> to use my words against me. To use your words against me. I wish you. people listened to everything I said that, that attentively. Yeah. But you know what? I left, I ended that four or five week sermon series. I think it was five weeks. And I had a much deeper and more importantly, much different understanding of the book of Revelation. 
Um, and, I, and I'm not going to give away any endings. I'm not even, you're, you're more than adequately covering Revelation in these podcasts. <laughs> and I know um, that you're planning a sermon series um, over the summer on the book of Revelation. So I will not steal any of that. Other than to say, I came out of that with a com- one, a completely different picture of the book of Revelation. Because I will be perfectly honest, I, I guess in typical Lutheran fashion, I avoided that book like the plague. Um, and you're free to give a few things away because, quite frankly, there's so much in there that... Yeah, I'll let you cover it. Yeah, okay. Um, but it was, it was just... I left with a completely different understanding of the book, and it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, not expected. So no. God uses those things. Well, and, and to realize that, that part of the, the prophetic voice is about um, sending a warning. And if God's going to send a warning, it's because he is hoping there's going to be a change in people's behavior and what they're doing. And so understanding what the prophetic voice is, whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's the New Testament, part of the prophetic voice is not just fortune telling of, you know, oh, here's what's going to happen. It's, no, I am giving you this message because I want there to be change. I want the people to repent. I want them to not do this. Because, and then they say, if you do this, yes, this will happen. And it beca- that becomes a very different way to read a lot of that scripture where it's not a set in stone thing. It's kind of, um, Barbara Rossing has a great analogy. She talks about it like the movie Scrooge. Sorry. Okay. Not the movie Scrooge, but um, the character Scrooge. Okay. In that was a Bill Murray movie, though, wasn't it? It was. Scrooge was the Bill Murray movie, uh, but the character Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Okay. And basically, of course, we know the story of how Scrooge goes through the the three angels or uh, ghosts. We're that talking. Come, yeah, we're talking ghosts. Scrooge McDuck, right? Because that's the most recent <laughs> one for me. The, the, the ghosts that come and visit him, and of course the one that, that really gets his attention is the, the ghost of, of Christmas Future. Yep. And the ghost of Christmas Future is showing him this very bleak future for himself. And his, his response to that is he turns around and he looks at the ghost and he says, why are you showing me this if I am beyond all hope? Why are you showing me this if there's nothing I can do to change this outcome? And that's what the purpose and the point of a lot of those prophetic, including the book of Revelation, is there to do, is to say, hey, newsflash, you keep doing this. And this is what's going to happen, people. Yes, yeah. these bad things are going to, you know, you don't take care of your planet. Guess what? You're going to have wormwood, which is the bitter waters and all of that kind of stuff because you polluted your waters. You're going to have um, all of these other issues that are going on and oppression and tyranny and all of that. And the the faithful are going to be, be persecuted in a way they've never been persecuted before and blah, 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 blah. And it all comes back to, but is that what God really wants us to do to our planet, et cetera? No. Right. And it keeps doing this kind of back and forth of, 
the 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 heavenly vision of this is where god wants us to be and then we come back to earth where it's like but this is what you're doing <laughs> this is what i want this is where i want you to be and yet this is where you're going and this is where you keep heading and how do you read that with that that same kind of of understanding that that scrooge had which was okay you've shown me this why show this to me if if there's nothing i can do about it oh but there is oh shocking but there is i i, I love speaking of prophets i love the old testament prophets um because they see what's coming they call it out and in some cases really really bluntly um and they call a thing what it is mm-hmm. and say listen this is <laughs> this is what's gonna happen and then guess what it happens you go oh i never saw that coming yeah, and you can see the progression as well of where it's it's still warning, it's still warning. It's like if you don't change, if you don't change, but there does come a tipping point within the prophets of okay, you've passed the point of no return. <laughs> uh, the prophet Jeremiah yeah. is is one who basically said, "Look, this is going to happen now." It's you, you guys have have because of all of these things that have happened, there's no stopping what's coming. Right. You know, you're, all of your repenting at this point is, quite frankly, too late. And it's, it's, it's going to happen. Even, it was interesting, um, if you do read into Second Kings, and the king Josiah, who comes after Hezekiah, in, in Judah, this is the northern kingdom's already been destroyed, and the southern kingdom is well, well on its way to being destroyed. Josiah happens to be one king that kind of rises up a little bit and, and starts doing the right thing and tears down all of the, the pagan altars and things like that in the high places. And it's interesting because what God says is, okay, he's, he's repented, he's done all these good things. I won't destroy Judah in his lifetime. I'll wait till he's done, <laughs> but I'm still going to do it. Yeah, I'll, pit, I'll push pause on the destruction button, wait for him to run his course. It, and then... I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a really weird, you know, it's like, whoa, okay. So again, there's that interplay. And of course, you always have that interplay with, with um, again, going back to Abraham, when he wanted God to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, he had this, I'm just going to go destroy them. And he's like, oh, how about if you do this? Uh, if I can find 50 good people. And God's like, okay, if you can find 50, I'll spare it. And, then, you know, he yep. gets them down to 10 before God finally cuts them off and says, okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's but let's make a deal. <laughs> let's make a deal. So did anybody actually like the prophets ever? No. And I, I, and I don't think it's any different now. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, prophetic voices, maybe not like current, but like, like Martin Luther King Jr. I, I, I don't think, I don't think that we can argue that um, absolutely prophetic voice mm-hmm. killed. Yep. Oh, we don't want that. Yeah, gone. Don't like that uh, voice. You know, and, and I guess, you know, nobody, you know, we had this in, um, Within our staff, we had a conversation today about you know criticism and receiving criticism. Um, I, I guess it kind of goes back to nobody likes likes to be called out um, on any in any way, shape, or form. I mean, for whatever, so, whether it's something minor or something big, you know that idea of you know really this could have been better. And and a lot of people you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know how do you receive that criticism? I, I I'm, I'm fortunate in a way. Um, I grew up in athletics and sports and I had coaches that 
um, really pushed me, criticized me. Not, you know, not maliciously. It was all, um, all in, all in the idea of growth and, and improving myself as 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 an athlete and, and ultimately as a person. So I think I think for me, I, I tend to take criticism a little differently than some people because of that background. Um, but certainly nobody says, oh yeah, please criticize me. Tell me everything I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, there's, that, there's that part of us that just doesn't like that critical part. Um, yeah. But it's part, of, it's part of who we are. So being called out isn't necessarily a warm and fuzzy thing. However, you know, in, in, in the prophetic voice, why do we not listen? You know, why do we not see these things on the horizon that are right in front of us and we go, oh, well, yeah, no. I mean, and so now look in retrospect, Martin Luther King Jr. is an absolutely revered person. You know, another, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Muhammad, when, he was, when he was in his heyday, extremely controversial, extremely controversial. After he dies, we celebrate him like he, like he has always been this revered, and he wasn't this revered person all the time. He was, he was hated. Well, let's face it, um, there's a reason they killed Jesus. There you go. I mean, let's, that's, that's the, when you get down to it, there's a reason they killed him. And it's because he challenged and held up mirrors to people. And you know, there's an, there's an interesting uh, phenomenon or, or, or at least a cultural issue within the Native American population that I find actually fascinating. They have what they call sacred clowns and not clowns like you think of in the Western term of clowns of where they're um, the fools that go around doing things and scare you because you've seen it too many times. Um, so their idea of a sacred clown though is for that person to be basically the community's mirror that it holds up to them. So it does ridiculous things to highlight, you know, somebody's behavior in the community. They're going to then go and do something ridiculous that highlights how ridiculous what that person has done or something along those lines. I mean, they show up at weddings, they show, you know, which you know, you, you want this sacred clown showing up at your wedding. To... I think I had a sacred clown at my <laughs> wedding. I don't know if it was sacred. I definitely had some clowns at my wedding. Um, but it, to me, it's, it's very interesting because they're basically, they, are, they serve kind of the same function as a prophet. They are the ones holding up a mirror to the society and saying, um, this is where you're maybe doing things wrong. And, here's, and, and they're highly revered. And they are welcomed in the sense of recognizing that's their role and that's what they're supposed to do and therefore they don't get vilified in the same way as just an ordinary person trying to do something it's like no this is what they do this is this is their calling this is their sacred calling of who they are and they've been you know Hmm. gone through the whole that's 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 their life thing that they've been trained for and I you know, I look at that from the standpoint of how do we then view, you know, the difference between how we look at in, in Christianity in the Western world, the role of the people who are the, the people who hold up mirrors and how they do get vilified most of the time as opposed to being lauded at the time for their role of what they're, they're there to do. 
because yeah. nobody wants to be called well okay nobody wants to be called their that they're racist nobody wants to be told that they're a bigot no one wants to be told any of those kinds of things and when that and that and that's one of the big problems we have in our society right now is you got a lot of people coming out and just you know saying hey you're a racist and the immediate response is of course well no i'm not and then you have the big tension well, and, and I love the list of, I don't love it literally, I actually hate the list, but there's a list floating around of things that people say to claim they're not racist. Well, I have black friends, because, um, well, if you have a black friend, that means you're not racist. That's not true. Well, I voted for, I voted for Obama. Um, I'm not racist. Oh, well, I, there's a whole list of things that people say that, that means they're not racist that actually doesn't mean they're not racist. Right. Um, and you're right, nobody, nobody wants to be called out on it. Um, and, and I think... I think one of the things in our society in the la over the last few years is that idea of, of being called out on your racism and your white privilege. Um, and just saying the word white privilege, people's you know, tentacles, you know, they go up and they go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not, and I don't want to go down that path. Maybe, no. that's, maybe that's a separate podcast. Yeah, that's, that's not for this podcast. Um, I was just trying to use as, right, but, as an example of. Right, but those are the things that when we hear those words, we naturally get a little... Um, a little defensive um, instead of going instead of being introspective yeah. I said okay so is it possible that you know I have you know I have some of these traits or some of these qualities or I've done these things in the past you know, we naturally get so defensive or that I was just born into it right exactly exactly um, and, it, and it is a challenge it is a challenge to be introspective um, but I think it's I think it's something that our faith calls us to do um, you know, to be introspective and and really examine the ways in, which, ways in our lives in which we fall short. Um, you know, we do this in worship, you know, confession and forgiveness every, every Sunday. Um, it's really not meant to be 10 to 15 seconds of quiet time. <laughs> it's actually meant to, meant to be some, some introspective, some introspection. And, and to tie it back to the God's plan, you know, what is God's plan for life? How, how have we over the past week or between worship or whatever, you know, when we're, when, we're, when we're making that confession, in what ways have we deviated from what God's plan is? Not just for us as individuals, but for us as society. Um, well, you know. it, it goes back to my, my sermon this weekend where I asked uh, the question. We've had 2,000 years as Christians to make a difference, to, to move us further towards the vision God has and are we any closer or are we further away or i mean i can definitely that see. is a really interesting question and i really struggle with that i appreciated that question this week yeah and i really struggle with that notion of are we further away or are we closer yeah. and, and I, you I, still, I didn't answer the question no. i just asked the question yeah I, and i really hope if so if you so shame on you if you didn't struggle with that since this sunday um but take a minute you're going to need more than a minute. Take some time <laughs> to really ask yourself that question. Are we further along? Are, are we further along in moving God's plan forward? Or are we a roadblock in that? Are we closer now than we were 2,000 years ago? That's a really deep question. And I still don't have an answer for it. Um, I think some days I go, oh, wait, wow, we're, we're further along. You know, yeah, we've, made, we've made progress in these areas. And then I look in other areas and go, oh, maybe not so much. 
So again, if you look at, so if we look at my, let's look at women, for example. Women were property. Women, for much of the world, are no longer, not all, but for much of the world are no longer property. That's progress. Yes. It's progress. Now let me stay, ladies. I'm not saying that we're where we need to be with equality by any way, shape, or form, but we have... That is, we're that further is, than we were in Jesus' day. It's a benchmarkable... You know, we, you know, women are no longer property. Women have the right to vote, blah, 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 blah. Those things, mm-hmm. which, are all, which are all milestones and benchmarks, which we can say women are further along than, we, than, than what they were in you know, 2,000 years ago. Are we where we need to be? No. But those types of things we can, we, can ben- we can mark off and say, okay, we've made progress in those areas. In other areas, uh, I, I don't know that we can make that claim. You know, are, are, we, are we more disrespectful to, the, to God's creation, to tie back to last week, now than we were to that? Yeah, I think we can definitely say that we're, we're doing a lot more damage than we're we more were abusive. 2,000 years ago. And we say, oh, well, yeah. there's more people than blah, and tech, well, right. There's more people, there's more technology. Also a lot more Christians. Right. But the reality is, the reality is, the net, is it a net gain or loss in, in our care for the planet? And I think we can agree that it's a net loss for the planet. Um, so in that respect, I would say, no, we're not as far, we are, we're further away from God's plan for creation than we were 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So, so yeah. I guess part of it depends on what measuring stick you're using, what metric you're using to measure that you know, distance from you know, how much progress we've made. But I think in, it, it, really, it really is worth our time as people of faith. And even if you're a person who isn't, if you happen to be a person who is not of faith listening to the podcast, one, I'm curious how you got to us and we'd love to hear that. <laughs> but beyond that, you know, not just in kingdom of God, are you doing, are you making the world a better place by what you're doing? Or are you, are you a net gain or a net drag on society? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, that's, like I said, I really, I really appreciated that question not because I knew the answer. Not be, you usually appreciate, I didn't know the answer. You usually appreciate the question, oh, I know the answer to that. Oh, I got that. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I appreciate that if being forced to struggle on those things and go, oh. And, and I, hope that people, I hope that people took that question with them. In fact, I think what we should do when we're done here is, is on, the, on our app, send that out as a reminder that Maybe, maybe we can force them, force them to think about it a little more um, because it is a valuable, valuable question. Yeah, and, and like I said, and I, I did not have an answer for it. It was just, it was the question as I was working through the, the sermon that kept popping up for me was, and I was like, well, if this is a question I have, I think maybe this is a question I need to pose to, to all of us because yeah. I think this is something as Christians we need to think about. And, and that, again, becomes the difference between thinking there's this rote plan yep. that's just going to do what it's going to do. God winds it up and just watches, sit, right. stays up there, or is the puppeteer is the other thing I've, the other image I, you often hear. Yeah. You know, God's kind of like the puppeteer and moving us around like little game pieces. Or are we invited to be participants to do something because God actually says, no, I want you to play a role. Yeah. This isn't something that I'm just going to snap my fingers and make happen. This is, no, I created you because I wanted you to be participants. I wanted you to be g- coming along this with me. And if you look at, at, at how God has wanted to kind of structure society, 
you can see where it's like, yeah, if we all followed that, then it'd be a pretty good society. Yeah. I, the reality is, if God was the puppeteer, we wouldn't have free will. No. You know, we wouldn't, make, we wouldn't have the ability to make the choices. We, have that, we, we make those choices, and then you know, the chips fall where they may. Yeah. And I think you're right. If we actually followed um, the heart of Scripture, and we've talked about this, this is another common refrain in this podcast, if we just erred on the side of love, if we just erred on the side of being a better person to our, to our neighbor, I, at the core, the very simplest form of God's plan is love one another. If we just were able to function on that level, we would be closer and move the ball, to use a, use a sports analogy, we'd, we'd have moved the ball much further down the field over the last 2,000 years. I hear you think about 2,000 years, is a, for, for humanity, that's a pretty long time. And yet at the same time, it is, it's a sneeze. <laughs> it's a blip. It, it, it's when you think about probably from on God's timetable and scale, 2,000 years probably hasn't been all that long because he understands it's something that we tend not to, which is he understands the human heart. I guess I never really thought of that from God's perspective of, of the length of time of 2,000 years being a blip because for me, I look at it and go, wow. That's a 2,000 years, that's a really long time. Well, I look at it, okay, but, so... When but, you're at, but yeah, in, in, God's, in God's time frame, okay. Yeah. yeah, well, it took him 400 years to hear the cry of his people and finally decide, you know, when they were in, in bondage in Egypt, to be like, oh, maybe I ought to go do something about that. I mean, it, that took 400 years. And, and, and that's not, I, I don't think that, I know it's not your intention and it's not God's intention to say, well, I'm just going to wait and let you guys suffer for 400 no. years. No, that's yeah. the, it, it's just it's one of those things where we, you see the the difference in when how how quickly we want things to happen and we want them all to happen in our lifetime and and see those changes in our lifetime, not realizing we are part of such a bigger, grander story quote plan. And, and we are not a patient people. No, we by, want it by, right now. That's why everybody thinks they're living in the end times because it's oh 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 this is this is what it's talking about. We're here. We're there. Okay, it's time. I um, I took the kids to McDonald's. Don't judge. On <laughs> on Saturday, they they were so well behaved. My wife was out of town this weekend. They were so incredibly well behaved. A few minor incidents, but they're six and four. So what do you expect? Um, but they were so well behaved. I said, you know what? Let's go to eat. Let's, you guys pick. Where do you want to go? And they picked McDonald's. I tried to talk them out of it, but whatever. It was their reward, so we went to McDonald's. And we, 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 put in, put our, we, you know, we, we placed our order. And then it took like 10 minutes. Maybe it wasn't five, 10 minutes to get our food. And I'm like, man, what's taking so long? I'm, literally, it was 10 minutes. It's really not a long time. No. But I'm like, man, why is this taking so long? And I'm like, man... How impatient am I that I'm in a fast food restaurant and I'm complaining because it's taking five minutes to get my, my two Happy Meals and my quarter pounder with cheese. Yep. We've, but we've, I mean, that's kind of where we've gone as a society where we're, we're, everything is so instantaneous and we have those demands that, you know, we can't wait for the news. Yeah. You know, it used to be the news was in the morning and the evening and before you went to bed and now it's like all day long because we can't wait. Like we have to have that news on demand. You know, I want it now. I want my food now. I don't, it's that Amazon Prime. I can't wait, I can't wait five days for my package. I need it into, come on. I or, mean, or, or, or binge watching. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Guilty. Netflix, etc. Yeah. The the and, and I'm so guilty of it because once I start watching something, man, I wanna I wanna finish the story. It's like when I read a book. I when I start a book, it's like man, I gotta finish this book, and not drag it out for months. It's it's. I have about five books that I've started and haven't finished, <laughs> and I don't know if that says something more about them or about me. Well, um, and actually, that's probably why I'm not doing a lot of reading lately, is because I don't have a lot of time, and I know how I am when I read a book. Is I'm a everything else, you know. I'm I'm into that book. I'm into that story. And I think that's kind of what we do, though, with uh, what, what, what we're doing with the, the Bible is it's we get into that story and bam, we want these things happening. We want it going on now. We want it. You know, this is this is. Oh, yep. Yep. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yep. This is it. We're moving. You know, this is going to be in my lifetime. Oh, and I'm struggling now. So, so as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, do we not want that for the, congreg- for the congregations we serve as well? Oh, we want to come in and like, wow, this is amazing. We can do this and we can do this and we can do this. And we, and we come in and we're all fired up and we're ready to move and we're ready to get things rolling. And then we go, oh, wait a minute. You have, you have, to, make sure that, you have to make sure that everybody is with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's that? I, I'm going to butcher this a little bit. But what's that definition? Um, if no one's following you, you're just a man walking in the woods. Yeah, something um, along those something lines. Along those lines. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and we forget that. And I know we've had conversations about you know, things that, we, that we're excited about here. We go, oh, well, let's do this. Let's do this. And then we go, oh, wait a minute, time out. Let's take a step back <laughs> and let's... let's get have, people on board. We have to move this thing we, along. We've got to get people on board the ship before we take off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Otherwise, we're just going for a joyride. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I get caught up in that joyride part. Not that I don't want people with me on that joyride, but I'm like, oh man, and I, I get excited about these ideas and these things we can do, and it's like, okay, so we have to move, you have to move everybody along, and before you can just go from A to Z, and, you have and to people, go through And people get there at different paces. Yes. And I think that's. And maybe that's I'm, God's plan. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe it is. I, you know, if you were if you were logging onto this podcast to listen to it to find out exactly what God's plan is for Sorry. Your, your, your life, if this is going the way it's supposed to, to be, blah, blah, blah. We aren't probably going to satisfy you in that regard because what we're saying is, yes, we do believe ultimately God has a plan. God, God knows where he wants us to be, and he will get us there. It's, I, I hate to sound cliche, but the journey getting there is filled with all kinds of stuff. And, yeah. of course, it's filled with individuals, it's fi- filled with societies, it's filled with the whole breadth of history, it's filled with us being able to look at history and say, oh, wow, look at how this just keeps repeating, and maybe we don't want to do that anymore, but uh-oh, guess what, we're doing it again. And, and I think, ultimately, the one thing we can say, God's plan for you is life. Yes. Those things that give life to you, those things that give life to others, and the relationships that we have, those solid, loving, caring, re- nurturing relationships. That, I will definitively say, is God's plan yes. for humanity, for us to lovingly care and nurture one another. Now, whether that means that you should take that job or the other job, or whether you should quit your job, or, or marry that person, or date that person, that's a whole separate issue, and I don't think that that is necessarily individually God's plan. But I think God's ultimate plan for us as society, as humanity, is to be loving, caring, nurturing people mm-hmm. and compassionate to one another. That I will say definitively. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm not going to plan a flag on much else in terms of what God's plan is. Yep. 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or ideas, please send it to ipccrackedpots at gmail.com. And we will, I guess, not see you next week, but we will talk to you next week. Talk at you, at least. Talk at you next week. All right. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining.